In late 2007, the remains of a young woman from the Casca Nation were discovered in the Yukon woods. I always think about, I want to know what really happened. So I travel north to try to understand what happened and who was involved. It's a pretty big risk to come forward with the information that I have. I'm David Ridgen, and this is Someone Knows Something, Season 8, The Angel Carlet Case. Available now. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Damon Fairless. What people don't know about the concept of shelters is that it doesn't really exist in Gaza. I mean, people barely have homes. Um, so shelters, that's not an option. Like, Gaza's worst fears at the moment is the sun setting, basically. Because once the sun sets and the night comes, things start to get, like, really aggressive. And aggressive is an understatement, to be honest. It's been five days since Israel declared war on Hamas, the militant organization responsible for Saturday's attack on Israel that killed at least 1,200 people, the majority of them civilians. The response from Israel was immediate. Since Sunday, Israel's been bombing buildings in Gaza, sometimes flattening entire blocks it says are linked to Hamas, which has governed the territory since it was elected in 2006. Authorities in Gaza say more than 1,100 people there have been killed. On Monday, Israel announced a full siege, cutting off all supplies, including water, electricity, and food all of which puts Gaza's civilian population in extreme danger. Parts of Gaza are some of the most densely populated areas on the planet. More than 2 million people crowded into a strip of land about 40 kilometers long and 10 kilometers wide. There are only two crossings through which people can leave, one into Egypt, which Israel has bombed, and one now completely closed into Israel. Living through all this are three people you're going to hear from today starting with Najla Shawa. She works with Oxfam. We spoke with Najla back in 2021 as she was living through a different set of Israeli missile strikes following a Hamas attack. Uh, Najla, last time you were on the show, you told us about your daughters. Can I ask, how how are they doing? Uh, I guess um, the first day or two, they were in, in total, total... The, the the most terrifying like maybe points of time like when we evacuated the night before last and like just trying to basically carry them and mm. put them in the cars in the middle of the night at like 1:30 a.m. where we had to literally like just run. So so what ha- what happened when that when that was when you had to evacuate? What happened exactly? We had uh, we had the. Um, neighbors um, screaming from the building across from us and uh, later uh, so we saw people like we heard people in the street screaming and um, then uh, we had a microphone saying uh, just uh, leave the building leave the building now evacuate Uh, and then everyone was just on the street so we were just we were 22 people at the time Hmm. because they friends and relatives were uh, 
left their areas and came to our area. We were so many people and we was so hard to coordinate and like put everyone like you know in the car and just where are we going and are we just going to drive in the middle of the night in the middle of the bombing so we ended up like splitting we ended up going to a restaurant uh with a neighbor who who owns that place Mm -hmm. so he's like just go you know let's just drive away from the area and then we went to that place my my daughters were barefoot, you know, we didn't have a, a second to, to do anything. I'm just trying just to put them in the car and take our kind of doc, any documentation, you know, mm-hmm. our bag of documents. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we stayed until seven, we came back and then we found a lot of, a lot of windows uh, broken. So they're still broken. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's no way to fix them. So, yeah. This is back to, you went back to your home. Uh, and, and the windows are blown out? Yeah. You're providing shelter for people whose homes have been destroyed. I just want to know what their lives are like. What what, what are you doing to survive together? We are cooking, like, what, like now that's the third day i think together yes and um so we have like um, we were cooking together we're just you know whatever we have in the Mm -hmm. we managed to replenish today uh some good items so i'm i'm kind of relieved like some canned food uh we have uh enough bread for at least hopefully two three days we have uh we have managed to get the water uh, although we were calling everyone, um, all the water vendors, uh, and they were not answering, so we just found one by coincidence in the street, so managed to refill a tank. Um, so this has been like a lot of work to try and manage things in the in the household, you know, um, making sure that kids are okay, we were fed, you know, it was it was a it was a good day. Yeah, <laughs> good is not a right word, but it was manageable. Yeah. Um, what's the state of electricity? Uh, I understand one of the big generators went down recently. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are you are you charging devices? What's the state of that? Yeah, we have solar, uh, and so I'm I'm just praying that they won't get broken. <laughs> we have solar panels uh, because since you know 15 years, Gaza doesn't have proper electricity. So anyway, we depend on it as an alternative source. So now we just need to rationalize because we can't uh, consume a lot of uh, a lot of electri- a lot of uh, battery electricity yeah. at night. We can do lighting and internet. Uh, we don't turn on even TVs because mm-hmm. it's too risky. Uh, and we have the refrigerators uh, during the sunlight. So okay. So it's not so bad. Um, I I'm I'm curious where you're expecting or hoping to get food from um, as the stuff that you have runs out? I don't know. It's too much to think. I'm glad I have what I have now. We don't know if we're going to be in the same place tomorrow or an hour or where. Hmm. Honestly, there's so many events that are happening. A moment of just kind of, you know, lying down is an achievement. Yeah. I want to, um, if, if you're okay with it, I want to return to your daughters. Um, so how, how old are they? And and I'm thinking my own daughter here, but I'm, I'm just wondering how they're coping. I hope your daughter would not 
ever experienced anything like that. Um, they are coping. Uh, the first uh, maybe day or two uh, was very hard. Since we had uh, our friends or uh, the refugees, <laughs> I would call mm-hmm. them, uh, in the house, uh, it's been it's been good because they are playing with uh, with them. They are making new friends. There, there are other kids there. Yeah, they have kids, and with different ages. So it's it's yeah, a blessing. Really, it's a blessing, and uh, because one of them had a daughter and he had a sorry a son, who um, we all knew from before, and we know the mother, but the rest we don't, and we haven't met before. So, um, but they're just relatives of you know those who we know. Uh, so they're different ages, and uh, they are uh, playing together and everything. Now they, in the middle of the night, for example, when they are asleep, and there is bombing, I feel they have. They have been better than, than before. Mm-hmm. So because there's so many airstrikes that they've experienced, I think they have seen that, okay, it's not our house. You know, it's it's yeah. it's massive, it's scary, but we're fine. I don't want to say we are better because I, I tell you, for one hour, I'm very good. Another hour, I'm a total mess. And and so we're just holding up together. Um and uh, and the same with the with the kids, we're just you know reading stories at night, uh, you know playing some music on the <laughs> on the mobile phone, mm-hmm. trying to do everything possible, and we do shifts and when we sleep, mm-hmm. not all of us sleep together any at the same time. Uh, me and another mother, for example. Now we're establishing some routine. Okay. Uh, so yeah, yeah, they're they're terrified. What can I tell you? What, what, I mean, what do you? What are you telling your children about what's happening? What's their understanding of what's happening right now? You know, we, we try not to explain when we don't need to explain. Mm-hmm. We are explaining, however, because, I mean, they are asking and they are not stupid and they need to understand. So, I mean, who's hitting that? No, this is Israel. Uh, what is this sound? Okay, this is Palestinian rockets uh, to Israel. And, um, of course, I mean, as naturally, they're living under occupation and everything we say is like, Mama, why can't we travel? Mama, why don't we do this? Mama, why is this? Sound? It's because of Israel. <laughs> so, there's like, you know, um, they, they totally know um, more than they should. might be an impossible question uh, to answer and, and in fact I feel a little awkward asking you this but but have you have you talked as a family about what what to do next is there any even medium term planning you can do my husband is by the way a US citizen is he yeah. and he's not <laughs> yeah and he's not been uh, you know given the option <laughs> of course he's in Gaza <laughs> given the option I mean to leave right. <laughs> of oh, yeah. course so, yeah, but anyway, I was asking him, he was like, oh, by the way, did the embassy call you? I was like, no, no, it was just uh, what? some count or something, but there's no, a message, you know, some caution or don't go here or don't go no there. Warning, yeah. It's not like evacuation. So anyway, uh, I was like, even if they do, we're not leaving, you know, like, oh, I know you're not, I know we're not leaving. So <laughs> we are both stubborn and we don't want to leave. Um I don't know. For sometimes I, and for some moments, I ask him, and it's like, I think we are. I hope we don't regret what we are. So, so your, your plan is to is to stay. 
to stay. Uh-uh. I mean, now for sure, I mean, I'm not going to run to be a refugee in Egypt. I think it's, um, no, it's humiliating, humiliating and uh, I want to stay home. Mm-hmm. I, I'm saying what I'm saying, but I might, of course, of course, under like severe pressure, I might be running around, you know, and no, I will, shelter I'm somewhere. Not, I'm not going to remind you of this if you change your mind. I, I, no, I, <laughs> no, 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 no I, I understand. No, but you know what you mean. Yeah. Najla, I'm hoping we can uh, we can stay in touch and and um, get updates uh, over the next little bit. But mostly, I hope you and your family uh, continue to stay safe. Thank you. This all started in museums and galleries. Now it's in classrooms, in country towns. This should not be here. It's a human being in a box. This is the stuff of empires. There is a great betrayal. We're not slaves, we're African. It's the stuff the British stole. I just don't believe that. It just does not stand up. From ABC Australia and CBC Podcasts, six brand new podcast episodes for free worldwide, available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Najla talked a lot about how hard it is to get access to basic needs right now because of the blockade. On Tuesday, humanitarian organizations called for international aid for the region, and some are asking for corridors to allow for food, fuel, water, and medical supplies to go in. Hospitals are overwhelmed with the wounded right now. Mohammed Abu Mugaisib works with Doctors Without Borders in Gaza. He's been scrambling to get dwindling supplies to hospitals where families are waiting in long lines for their loved ones to receive emergency surgeries and where exhausted hospital staff are working around the clock. He worries that with power running low, things will only get worse. Uh, already the power plant stopped, so now the, all the hospitals are running on the generators and you know generators needs fuel and fuel is not entering so uh, uh, the stock that the hospitals have for fuel is enough for a few days uh, for example the Ga- the main hospital in Gaza which is the biggest Shifa hospital the fuel will be enough for uh, three to four days only I don't want to imagine what will happen. I think it will, it will, uh, the health system will collapse. I mean, every, every department will collapse. I mean, you have the surgery, intensive care units, the neonatology department, babies are in incubators. I mean, it's a disaster. It's a really will be a medical disaster. Mohammed has been in Gaza working with Doctors Without Borders for over 20 years. He says the intensity of the latest airstrikes is worse than anything he's seen before. I mean, I cannot compare it really with, I mean, the work is really challenging here, uh, full of risk. There is uh, no security. Uh, Movement is not secured. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, bombarding every 10 minutes, imagine. In addition, that, you know, you need as well to protect your family. I mean, uh, if I say to you, no, no, I'm not worried. No, no, I'm totally worried about my life, my my family. I'm actually uh, sheltering and using MSF office where I'm staying with my family here. We are stressed, of course, and you know the stress. So I, I think all of it will be 
a record in my brain about all of this will be again flashbacks coming and it, I think all the scenes are very difficult. I mean, bombing the ambulances, uh, the people who are displaced from their homes, you just stand on the street and you can see hundreds of people walking with their bags, kids, they are moving from neighborhood to another neighborhood for safety. This is, this will stay in my memory. We also heard from someone else who had to leave their home because of the bombings. Mahamur Abusada is a political science professor at Al-Azhar University in Gaza. He spoke with us on Tuesday, soon after the area around him was bombed. Bombing was so massive, so intensive that uh, shook even the building where I, mm. I live, which is, as I mentioned to you, not very far away from the, the area that was bombed. And unfortunately, I had to evacuate my apartment today. We were instructed mm. uh, uh, by the Israelis also that the area where I live uh, uh, will probably be targeted tonight. So we we have, we my family and myself had to evacuate. Mahamur is staying at his brother's place. His families had to split up. They're sheltering in two different homes. People very much are trapped. Uh, people are trapped between uh, 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 a very uh, uh, thin area uh, between east of Gaza and west of Gaza. And uh, uh, even Israel also bombed the only crossing between Gaza and Egypt, which even uh, making things impossible for the Palestinian civilians who must leave. You said earlier that you were given warning that the area that you live in, where your flat is, uh, was going to be bombed. Uh, how, how is the Israeli government giving these warnings to people in Gaza? Well, that is a very good question. Uh, the spokesperson for the Israeli army uh, has a, a, a Facebook page, and usually the Israelis post on Facebook and other social media where they are going to bomb. So the, the area that was bombed yesterday that the Israelis uh, put a map of the Gaza city and they designated the area that will be bombed with a red line, okay? Uh, they, they, they're they doing the same thing to another neighborhood here in Gaza. So this is one of the ways that uh, Israel communicate what what it's going to do with, with the civilian population. Another uh, way is uh, by calling people. Sometimes they do call people on their mobiles and tell them to evacuate and tell the, their neighbors within the same neighborhood also to evacuate. And do you, do you have a sense? I mean, I, as I'm talking to you, I'm aware we're... We're talking on WhatsApp. It's dependent on networks. Do, do you have any sense of how long this is, you know, communication to the outside world, so to speak, is going to last for you? To be honest with you, I don't know, because one thing I know that Israel bombed yesterday the uh, headquarter of the Palestine or the Gaza telecommunication company, which is called Paltil. Uh, uh, their headquarter and their offices in Gaza City were bombed. I don't know if the Israelis are going to go after uh, the mobile stations here in the Gaza Strip, which would disconnect people from each other. I know uh, a private uh, internet company uh, uh, is out of service from day one because of the uh, bombing. So uh, 
That depends on the intensity and the, the, the bombing that the Israelis are going to, to carry on with. And, and I think uh, we are expecting that uh, the worst hasn't come yet. And, and how, how much time uh, are, are people getting in terms of these warnings? Are, the, are you given a window of when these will occur, when the attacks will occur? It depends. If, if a building is designated for bombing, they, they usually give no more than 10-15 minutes to evacuate. But if they, if they are talking about bombing of a whole neighborhood like they did yesterday, they usually give a few hours for people to evacuate and move. Uh, but if, if, if they want to kill someone or if there is a wanted person that they want to kill or, or bomb, they usually do not call in, in advance or they do not even uh, send any, any piece of information in advance because if one person is wanted, they very much bomb the area without prayer warning. And so that kind of leads me to my next question, which is that these attacks on Gaza are justified by Israel as attempts to take out places where Hamas militants are thought to be operating out of. Given how densely populated the area is, is, is it possible even to precisely target Hamas without harming civilians? Is that even a possibility? Well, what, what I'm going to tell you with regard to this question is what was said by the Israeli spokesperson. The spokesperson for the Israeli army said that the Israeli army bombed the area called Rimal area in Gaza City one of the most richest areas in Gaza City. And he said, because this is going to put more pressure on Hamas, as if the, those uh, areas are, are Hamas people. Israel is very much imposing collective punishment on the Palestinian middle class, on the Palestinian semi-rich uh, uh, people, the business community, uh, uh, in a way to to put more pressure on Hamas, and so do you think that that's a that's a that's a tactical decision then? That's a war crime. That is a war crime. Uh, whether that is tactical or not, I don't know. But that is definitely a war crime: killing and targeting civilian people, civilian infrastructure, and a whole uh, civilian neighborhood. I know that in the age of social media, images of the destruction that was inflicted on Gaza yesterday is seen all over the world. But unfortunately, the world is not paying enough attention to what is happening to the Palestinians. And, and that's what makes the Palestinians desperate and, and angry about the whole thing. So no doubt many groups, including people at the UN, will be investigating what constitutes a war crime on both sides as this situation continues. I was looking uh, briefly before we talked, I was looking quickly at your CV online and I saw in your work, in your professional work, you're someone who you've followed and, and written about Hamas in your work. So did, did the attack that came out on, on Saturday in Israel, did that come as a surprise uh, to you? In, in, in its intensity, yes. Uh, we have always thought that Hamas might uh, uh, go and kidnap Israeli soldiers like they did back in 2006 when they dig the tunnel under the border between Gaza and Israel and uh, uh, ambushed uh, uh, an Israeli military base and uh, took one soldier uh, as a hostage and they held him for five years in, in Gaza. And they exchange him later for about one more than 1,000 Palestinian prisoners. We have <laughs> always thought something like that is, is, is going to happen. 
But uh, 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 what we saw on Saturday morning is just un- un- unbelievable, unimaginable. Uh, it did not cross my mind for a, a-, a second. Mohamir, you've got a-, a very difficult next few days, weeks ahead of you. What's your plan for the next few days? Well, I hope that there is someone uh, uh, sober and, and rational in the international community who will intervene and, and, and impose a ceasefire on on both sides, on Israel and Hamas, and and restore uh, calm between both parties, that that would be my optimal uh, uh, dream. Uh, I, I mean, I, I definitely I don't want this this bloodshed to continue. Uh, but uh, it seems to me that unfortunately, yes, this this conflict is just going to rage on and on with from both sides, and we're hoping for the best now. Whether whether I will be able to make it, whether my family will be able to survive it, I don't even know whether we're going to survive it until tomorrow or not. Uh, bad things are happening here, my friend. That's all for today. I'm Damon Fairless. Thanks for listening to FrontBurner. We'll talk to you tomorrow. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.